Hello, my friends. This is Dan Jones with another quiet talk to share with you today. Love is probably the most abused word in the English language. Most people think of love as an emotion. Many times in popular culture, it's really just a stand-in for lust. When you hear people say things like, you can love whoever you want, they usually mean that you can have sex with whoever you want. But genuine love is a vitally important concept, especially in the Bible. When God sent his son into the world, he gave us a new commandment, love one another. It's pretty important since Jesus talked about it in the hours just before he was arrested and crucified, which happens to be the most significant expression of love ever in human history. Sometimes the first mention of a word in the Bible is very telling, not always, maybe, but I think in the case of this word, the first mention is extremely important. So let's take a look. The first time the word love appears in the Bible is in Genesis 22, where we read these words. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Not the context you might have expected. No boy-girl stuff here. Just the love of a father for his only son and the command to give up that one most cherished. I hope you're acquainted with this story. Abraham is certainly a towering figure in the Bible. I started to say in the Old Testament, but as soon as I typed it, I realized he towers over much of the new as well. God had called this man to leave his home in what is modern-day Iraq to go to an unknown destination, certainly a test of faith. But there was a great promise attached to this command to go. God told Abraham that if he obeyed, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's a pretty big promise. But he had to leave home to get it. And God didn't tell him where he was going. Strange. As Abraham and his wife Sarah got older and didn't have any children, they started to worry about this becoming a great nation thing. You've got to have at least one kid to start a nation. Sarah had never been able to conceive a child. So they did what many people did when they couldn't have children in that day. They had a surrogate. Sarah's handmaiden slept with Abraham and had a boy named Ishmael. Abraham and Sarah were quite relieved. I'm sure they thought God was also. But God wasn't in this plan. So some years later, he announced to Abraham that Ishmael would not be the heir, but that Sarah, an old woman now, would bear a son to Abraham. Abraham thought this was hilarious. 
So he fell down laughing. But God, being able to do anything he wants, gave them a son by Sarah, a 90-year-old woman. They called him Isaac at God's instruction, which means laughter. God wanted them to always remember how funny they thought this plan was. Well, later on, God told Abraham to send Ishmael away. It broke his heart. But God's plan centered in Isaac, the miracle baby. So finally, it looked like everything was set. They had a son who would carry on this plan and promise of God to make Abraham a great nation in whom all the nations of the world would be blessed. But God wasn't through testing Abraham, as we saw in the verses I started out with today. He told Abraham to offer Isaac up to him as a sacrifice. Now, I believe God has asked some big things of me in my life, things I've never regretted going along with, by the way, but nothing like this. God knew what real love is, and he knew that Abraham loved Isaac more than life itself. Isaac represented the will and purpose of God for Abraham. Nothing and nobody was more important. Sacrifice is prominent in the Bible. Of course, the Old Testament is full of sacrifices. Blood sacrifice was, com- was the common form of worship for people in the Middle East, not just the Jews. By the way, child sacrifice was common in Abraham's day, and he lived before the giving of the law of Moses. He didn't really know whether or not God abhorred child sacrifice, although he probably hoped that was true. God never planned for Abraham to go through with this, as we see in the story from Genesis chapter 22. The other day, I told one of my parishioners that years ago, a man in my church in Mississippi tried to make a hunter out of me. He took me out a number of times. I never killed a deer. It's it's a good thing, because after you kill it, you have to gut it, not in my repertoire. So I've often said in sermons that I'm glad I didn't live in Old Testament times. Yuck. But just because you may be squeamish about blood and guts like I am, that doesn't mean the word sacrifice is no longer in our vocabulary. Let's look at one mention in the New Testament for starters, Romans 12. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, a living sacrifice. You don't have to kill your body. Just give up the rights to it. Paul said earlier in Romans that we must present the members of our bodies as slaves to righteousness. Nobody wants to be a slave, but When it comes to our relationship to God, this is required. What is a slave? Well, a slave is a human being who is literally owned by another human being. Sadly, there are still places in the world where you can buy and sell human beings, just like you would buy a car or a piece of furniture. When it comes to God, he has certainly bought us. We can say that he 
redeemed us. We were already slaves without knowing it. We were slaves of sin, and sin leads to death. God, in his mercy, wanted to save us from this death. So he bought us out of slavery that we might be truly free. The price was high, the blood of his only son. Are you a Christian, my friend? If you are, you have been bought with a price. God made the greatest sacrifice in history to set you free and give you eternal life. Now he owns you. But that's not a bad thing, like humans owning other humans. To be owned by God is to be truly free. So now that you know the sacrifice of love God made for you, he is calling you to sacrifice yourself. That means not just your body, but your everything, your will, your future, your family, your possessions, your all. The hardest one for me is to give up my will. Free will is a part of what is meant by being made in the image of God. But our will is the biggest obstacle to experiencing all that God wants to give us. Sacrificing Isaac was not Abraham's will, but he died to Isaac and to his own will when he obeyed God. Although God stopped him at the last minute from going through with this, before he started up Mount Moriah, he had already made that awesome sacrifice in his heart. He had given up Isaac. Many Christians believe that all this sacrifice stuff is only for a select few, like missionaries or perhaps somebody who ministers to the needy in the inner city. But Jesus has called every one of us to give up the rights to ourselves. He said, if you save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. Let me close with the last few lines of the famous prayer of St. Francis, which starts out with those beautiful words, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. It ends like this. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Oh, God, help me to make that ultimate sacrifice of myself to lay my all on your altar, Lord Jesus, that my life might bring honor and praise to the name of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, my dear friend, as I am recording this talk, I usually do it a day or so in advance, but it is 7 o'clock on Wednesday morning. The reason for that is that I spent most of yesterday at the hospital, my son David, went in for what we thought was going to be a routine checkup, and they told us he was his heart was in AFib. This is not the first time this has happened in the last couple of years, but we do ask you to pray for David, for healing, for his heart, for this AFib, that God will bless him. And I thank you so much for your prayers. As always, you can reach me by email at father.danjones at outlook.com. May God bless you.